I'm Naomi Shaven. Welcome to Axios Recap, where we cover one big story. Today is Friday, December 17th, and we're focused on our second year of COVID. All week, I've been talking with my Axios colleagues about the biggest stories they covered this year and what they're watching heading into 2022. Today, I'm speaking with Caitlin Owens, a healthcare reporter who's covered the pandemic since day one. In 2021, vaccines were supposed to turn everything around. We started the year with high expectations that mass vaccination could bring the pandemic under control. But vaccine hesitancy, anti-vax sentiment, and variants, specifically Delta and now Omicron, have chipped away at our chances of returning to our pre-pandemic lives. And now we find ourselves heading into what could be a brutal winter and what will definitely be our third year of COVID. It hasn't all been bad this year, though. In addition to vaccines going into millions of arms, there was also good news on the antiviral front. That means there could soon be medicine that COVID patients can take to get better faster. In a moment, I'll be joined by Caitlin Owens to discuss our expectations for this last year, the reality of what it was like, and what could be ahead in year three. I'm joined now by Caitlin Owens, healthcare reporter for Axios. Hi, Caitlin. Hey, thanks for having me. It's almost hard to know where to even start this conversation as we look back on this year. This could have been the year of vaccines, but it's also been the year of variants. And you could make the argument that it's also been a really big year for antivirals. Just to start with the news of the moment, Omicron seems poised to become the predominant variant strain in the U.S. if it isn't already. What do we currently know about Omicron's presence here? I mean, so what we know is that it's here and it's spreading really quickly. Emerging data suggests that vaccines are still effective at preventing severe disease. You know, when we're talking about levels of protection here, if you're vaccinated, your vaccine, no matter when it was, it's probably going to keep you out of the hospital and keep you alive. What it may not do, depending on how many shots you've had, is keep you from getting infected. So I think when you put all of this together, there are a lot of people who are at risk of becoming infected by a virus that is spreading really quickly, um, presumably across the country in most, if not all, states. And that put together means we're in for a lot of cases in the near-term future. Do you think that our response times are getting faster as we live alongside this virus? I mean, we're heading into what's going to be our third year with it. I mean, everyone's exhausted, right? So everyone's exhausted of trying to take this seriously. And then there were people who never took it seriously. And then there's kind of like this very large swath of the population that is vaccinated or even boosted that thinks that that is going to prevent them from becoming infected. And, you know, they just don't know. So I think, you know, we know what works generally. But I also think it's hard to figure out in real time how to respond to this variant. And then that's also a separate question of how to respond in a way that people will actually be receptive to. Right. It doesn't seem like we're going to start seeing the kinds of shutdowns that we saw in March of 2020 all over again. It just seems like there's no appetite politically, economically, even like, you know, on the personal level from people to do that. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's right. But I also think if you have an outbreak at this size, you can't ignore it, right? Like you're seeing news out of New York City specifically about Broadway shows being canceled and restaurants having to close down and colleges canceling in-person events. I think you're seeing some school closures. Like it's not policy at this point. It's just organic. And it's kind of the logistics of, well, if your entire staff is sick, you can't open. That's a great point. It does seem all of this puts a lot of pressure on booster campaigns, not just 
to have the availability for boosters, but also clear communication about why people should get them, when they should get them, and what production boosters will offer at this point. What do we know right now about how boosters play into keeping people safe from COVID? And safe obviously has a lot of definitions. It could mean that they don't get infected at all, but it could also just mean protecting them from serious illness. So it looks like a third shot of the mRNA vaccines, you know, is significantly more effective at preventing infection than two shots is. Um, That said, the booster shot worked much better against infection against Delta than against Omicron. And then what we do know is that the kind of piece that we're missing is how effective boosters are against severe disease. One kind of batch of evidence suggests that two shots are 70% effective against severe disease. You know, so I think the boosted can feel pretty confident that they won't end up in the hospital if they get this. Dr. Anthony Fauci has said that there's probably no point in making a variant-specific booster, at least at this point. But do you think that what we know about Omicron starts to present a counter-argument at this point? If you start making variant-specific boosters, that leaves you unprepared for the next variant. So, you know, you're seeing experts argue it's better to stick with the original vaccine because that probably offers a wider range of protection against different variants as they arrive. Second of all, it you know, based on this preliminary data, it doesn't really look necessary. The original vaccine, a third shot of that, seems to give you broader protection. Thirdly, I just don't think it's a practical idea, right? Like, very rough back-of-the-envelope math. The vaccine company have said they can get a new variant-specific vaccine in three months. In three months from now, like, we might be all the way through this wave. It's moving so quickly. It's interesting. We started this year with everybody clamoring for just their first shot of the vaccine, and that was supposed to offer hope on the horizon that the pandemic would eventually come to an end. I'm curious, as you look towards next year, do you think people are going to be lining up to get a fourth shot? You know, it's so hard to say at this point. We're kind of using vaccines in an abnormal way right now is, you know, kind of what the experts say, where most of the time vaccines, they don't keep you from getting sick. They keep you from getting hospitalized and dying. The problem is we're still in a pandemic where there's more than 100,000 cases a day right now in the U.S. alone. And so a priority is reducing that spread and extra shots of vaccines seem to be able to help with that. A lot of experts say that help is probably marginal at best. Unfortunately, it's kind of flying by the seat of our pants with both what we know and also kind of what we're trying to do here. We've talked a lot about the vaccines, but we haven't talked about antivirals. And there were some really big wins this year for antivirals, which are going to be a part of how we move forward in terms of treating this virus when people do get sick. Could you just take us through what happened this year in the treatment side of living alongside coronavirus? Let's start with why antivirals are important. I mean, in a nutshell, if you could have a Z-pack for COVID, it could save a lot of lives, right? So we have been wanting basically COVID pills for a while because they're cheap and then easy to administer versus the treatments we had were infusions where you have to go to the doctor and get hooked up to an IV. And so what's happened recently is Mark and Pfizer have both announced some favorable clinical trial results with their COVID pills. Now, the data is still coming in and so we're still trying to get an understanding of it. Um, of how well they work. But even having any pill, any easy-to-administer thing to treat COVID will be a big win once we approve that for use. It seems like doing science in real time and responding with policy in real time, we've learned some really hard lessons this year. And I'm curious if there's one lesson that you think we learned in this second year of the pandemic that really stands out to you. You know, when I think about 2021, 
Even with the rise of Omicron, I think that at least in the U.S., it'll still be the year of the vaccine. Because again, if this data that's emerging all holds up, the vaccine will still save your life. That being said, it's been a really bumpy road and only 60% of the U.S. population is fully vaccinated. So when you have a vaccination rate that low in the middle of a pandemic, there's obviously failures here. Some of them are probably systemic. Some of them are in the moment decision failures. So I don't think we've had time to catch our breath to learn any of those lessons yet, to be completely honest, especially as we're heading into this next wave. But I do hope that this will be what we can dig through because I think we failed on pandemic preparedness, but there was also failure in pandemic response as it was unfolding. And I think we failed in real time in a lot of different ways throughout this pandemic. And I do think there's going to be a lot to unpack there and learn from. I think we were in unprecedented situations many times, and most people did the best they could with the information they had at that time. But now we have more information. And so I think there's a lot to go back and look at for, if God forbid we do this again, how to respond to a pandemic, how to prepare for a pandemic, and then also how to communicate with the public, not only to help them make safe choices, but also, I mean, just the basics of having the confidence in institutions required to get a vaccine that will save your life. Caitlin Owens, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Welcome back. As you've heard, Axios Recap is coming to an end. I want to make sure that you subscribe to Axios Today, our morning daily news show, which covers three big stories in 10 minutes or less and is hosted by the amazing Nyla Boudou. Axios Today is a great place to hear the news that matters. Make sure you're subscribed to Axios Today if you're not already. That's all from me. We'll be back Monday with another Axios Recap.